0: Grace-Based Family Podcast. This is Dr. Tim Kimmel. For over 40 years, our ministry has been teaching people all over the globe how to turn God's act of grace into the defining feature of their closest relationships. We're excited for you to listen in on the conversation.
1: Hey, Michelle. Hey, Karis. How are you? Doing good. Um, today, we are going to, well, get a little personal. Yeah. Yeah talk about our lives a little bit Um, and uh, wanted to focus a little bit on the concept of codependency Mm -hmm. what that means and how it's a little sneaky and sinister and can really affect our relationships um, and so, and you've, you have, <laughs> I don't want to say you have some personal experience <laughs> with this. You're kind of Cody um, as we
0: call it. In uh, our yeah. House.
1: Kinda co- co- Cody. Yes. Kind of codependent. Um, but this, this can develop, it, it obviously it develops over time and it can have a lot to do with your family of origin and the structures that you grow up within and, um, the level of needs that various family members have. And so. I just wanted to know if you would be open to sharing a little bit of your story with us and how codependency kind of came home to roost Yeah. for you.
0: Well, I would, will definitely start with the, the thought that when I first heard about codependency, the term was probably like, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, that seems like someone who's really needy. Mm. Like relationally needy. And that's not me. So Mm -hmm. I can't, I cannot be codependent because I pride myself on like a lot of self, I'm self-efficient. I can do it on my own. I'm not a clingy person per se. So um, I had a misunderstanding of what codependency Mm. was. So to share a little bit of my story, I was raised in Southern California, mom, dad, I was the oldest. I have one younger brother who's three years younger than me. Um, his name, Sean, everything seemed pretty easy and wonderful in our family. Um, until we moved to Arizona, um, I was about in junior higher high school. My brother was again, three years younger and he started struggling with mental illness, right? You could kind of see it, but this was before this, you know, we used to diagnose things, right? So he was struggling with depression and then that led to, um, him taking, Stimulants, which turned into drug, you know, more drugs, and it got uh, very tumultuous in our home. Mm. So by the time I was in high school, um, he would be when I'd walk in the house, I'd be on eggshells because mm. I didn't know what we were walking into. He'd be yelling, he would be screaming, punching holes in the wall. I'd lock myself in my room at night just to make sure I was safe. Um, at this time, he was actively using, and then all also, there was like underlying mental health issues that right. my parents were trying to address and he was in counseling whatever. So um, during that time, I kind of took on this posture of I need to be good and I need to be self-sufficient and. Um, do well in school, do well in sports, like get along with everyone and kind of be a people pleaser because I don't want to be a burden to my parents and pile yeah. on because they are so overwhelmed with my right. brother. Um, so I kind of took on this, I have to keep it all together. Yeah. Mentality. And that went on for years. I went away to college. She was still struggling, um, suicide attempts, in and out of rehabs, um, my parents weren't able to come out to move me into college because he had just overdosed. So there was just this pattern. My friend ended up flying out and helping me move into my apartment. They didn't come to my graduation. Like, so there was a lot of these things that I kind of dismissed like, Oh, it, it's fine. Mm-hmm. They're doing the best they can, which t- now I'm looking back and going, Oh, there's, there's a lot of grief and, and yeah. hurt in that. Um, but uh, I would be up at night so worried that he would kill himself or Mm. that he would overdose, that it would jolt me out of bed and I would feel like I was under a spiritual attack and I would Mm. just be praying, you know, against that. And about, I would say 10 years ago, I heard the Holy Spirit say, he's not yours. Mm. You can't fix him. You can't change him because I'd always try to bring him to like, if you know the Lord, and I read him, the, you know, you will, you'll have more hope. And I would um, bring him, I remember in high school, I'd be like, if only maybe you had some friends, I right. was really isolated. So I'd, I'd like, get connected with my friend's brothers or go to Young Life or do, you know, I was just trying to help and trying to mm. rescue um, because I wanted that normalcy in our home. But I also really felt awful for him. Right. Um, so about 10 years ago, I kind of had to release like every time he was in the psych ward or on the streets, um, trying to rescue him. Mm. And so since then he's been, um, diagnosed as paranoid schizophrenic and he lives on the streets somewhere. He occasionally checks in with my parents. Um, and I don't have any bitterness. I just have like deep sadness, yeah, deep sorrow. And so, um, probably around 10 years ago my friend recommended this book by melody Beattie. i think her name is and it's called um codependent no more and as i was reading it i was like oh wait a minute this is totally me yeah (laughs) i totally want to fix problems and i want to help and take you know over this relationship because i want to rescue them and i don't think for me it was self-serving because I wanted to be this savior or, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the, I was just like, oh my gosh, what if my brother takes his life and I'm an only child? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if we can rebound from that. So, um, and you love him. Oh, absolutely. Right. And I, and I hurt for him and my parents, like the deep sadness and sorrow that brought to our family, I think you can't help, but kind of come out of a situation like that having some codependent tendencies.
1: Yeah. Yes, I, I mean, I think it's it's in our nature. It's how we're made to want to seek to um, repair connections in our relationships, mm-hmm. to try to fix issues that come along. And And then there comes this point at which we cross over from being a caring, caregiver um helpful yeah you know uh kind of this this organism of our family where everybody serves a purpose and has a role and that can get out of balance mm-hmm. and get toxic and um okay. yeah people who struggle with codependency are are some of the sweetest, kindest, mm-hmm. most wonderful people that there that, that exist because it's their own strengths that become a weakness when they're pushed to an extreme and circumstances just push them to an extreme sometimes. Yeah. So, well, thank you for sharing that part of your story. I know that
0: that it, it's hard, it's hard okay. to talk about. Um, But i think it's 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 been really helpful for me to recognize oh okay i have a tendency when there's dysfunction in a relationship to want to be the caretaker or um you know not have a lot of boundaries to help like i have to help this i gotta go fly out there and do all this right yeah and this you know kind of finding this out about myself has helped me kind of set better limits and say okay I don't need to be taken advantage of by this person, whether they're meaning to or not. Like right. I need to have my own guardrails up and be, I don't know, not so needed by them. Right. And not feel like I can fix them because I can't. Right. right. <laughs> God, right. God can do that. But, and really I think it codependency goes hand in hand with a lot of folks that have substance abuse issues, but really you can have a codependent relationship with a boss, a friend, um, your spouse your spouse absolutely where if things like i see this in my home now where i'm like oh gosh someone's upset yeah. or someone feels like they're uh, they're spiraling oh, i yeah. have to make it right because i right. have to bring peace to my home because i don't want to relive what my childhood was like mm-hmm. and i don't want that instability um but sometimes uh, owning codependency is saying okay that's their problem yeah they're spiraling they're acting out of control they're making bad choices here's my boundary. I'm here. I love them. They know I will support them, but I can't fix them. Right. That's their choice. I can't change or control anyone else.
1: I remember I was talking to a good friend and he asked me, he said, "Um, what do you feel like is your most important role in your family? And without hesitation, I said, I hold it in orbit.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I am the gravity that keeps it from flying out into the ether. <laughs> and he's like, I understand that, and I think you're correct that that's what you do, but that is codependent.
0: Mhm. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And
1: yeah. and it was really the first time that I assessed myself and and recognized that yes, so much of my emotional energy and time and focus is on keeping the people in my home uh, happy yeah and stable stable (laughs) and healthy Mm -hmm. and I've talked a little bit on this podcast about um, you know the breakdown of my marriage and and divorce and so there there were there was some codependency that was woven into that story and yes you know my my ex-husband's choices on on you know being unfaithful and um, basically breaking the covenant of our marriage with his own choices and sin that he owns that, but there was a lot of kind of sinister codependency w- woven in where so much of what I did was to try to keep something together mm-hmm. that was at least for the two of us irreparably broken Mm -hmm. and i couldn't fix it i couldn't change it because i can only control my own behavior and choices and my own um my own commitment to um to a process of restoration i can't make him do those things Mm -hmm. and i was trying to make him do those things just with the power of my own will and my prayer and my uh how i would behave and and that um when you described the feeling of walking into the home and feeling like you're walking on eggshells because you don't want to do anything to to put someone off and to throw them off and to cause them to spiral, well, mm-hmm. you you know that's no way to live right. and, and I think a lot of the um challenges that my daughters faced through the breakdown of my marriage was them feeling the same way, trying to keep things stable Mm -hmm. keep them normal and when they got tired and unable to kind of hold that mantle anymore it caused a breakdown in in their own mental health in some ways and a lot of those things have improved um but yeah there's a lot of codependency there Mm -hmm. what do you have maybe you've read or you have your own like kind of good definition of what codependency means
0: um that's a good question I would say it's trying to own more responsibility for a relationship than you should. Mm. Um, like your example of your marriage, like you were trying to keep things together in a maybe toxic or you know unstable yeah. environment. You can't, you can't do all that on your own. Right. And I'm, tr- I was trying to fix the problem of my brother's addiction. On my own so much so that it was compromising my own happiness right and my own and my own joy and you start sometimes ignoring or um, coming up with excuses for other people's uh, problem problematic behaviors yeah well it's okay that my brother pulled a knife on my dad because he's he's really struggling he's yeah. really mentally ill no that's not okay Right. Right. <laughs> like, right. It's not okay right. that we have to call 911 all the time, like on a Tuesday night. Like that's right. not ra- okay. And I can still love him in that, but, um, I don't know. It's really hard. I think when you're in a codependent pattern, it's hard to even see, Yeah. Like, see it. Sometimes it takes someone from the outside saying, this yeah. isn't healthy. It seems like, um, a lot of what you're doing is again, rooted in from a very good place of people pleasing and care and concern for others. And we're gonna talk about where's that line? Because we are supposed, as believers, we are supposed to care and love Mm -hmm. for people. But I think a little bit of it is our motivation and a little bit of it is rooted in fear. And I was very fearful of what would happen if my brother harmed one of us or himself. Um, So I think a lot of it is just, um, for me it was not trusting God enough that God loved loves my brother more than I can mm-hmm. or more than I even more than my parents do. and um, I can't fix or rescue anyone. That's God's yeah. job. Yeah. I think um, a pattern
1: you see with uh, codependent relationships is the kind of dysfunctional and disproportionate, amount that one person in the relationship is a caretaker and the other mm-hmm. person seems to take advantage of that caretaking, mm-hmm. right? So whether that looks like mental health challenges or addiction or, um, you know, even abusive, you know, even yeah, abusive narcissism. behavior, mm-hmm. yeah, narcissism, all those kind of things, it can kind of take on different faces. But, um, you know, typically one partner is going to take care try to take care of that other person to the to the extent at which that becomes enabling Mm -hmm. to that behavior um and you talked a little bit about um you know maybe ignoring or or justifying Mm -hmm. some of the behaviors because yeah if I really look at that for what it is it's very hard to survive right and I think I think it's important to say that a lot of us do this out of survival and a lot of this comes into our life very early on in our you know either sibling relationships parental relationships Mm -hmm. Um, there can be a lot of codependency that exists between parents and children Um, because as a parent that is a caretaking role you are supposed to take care of your children but little by little that needs to wane so that they're taking care of themselves and then in the reverse depending on the situations that you faced at home children can take on a caretaking role of their parents even from a very very young age like Mm -hmm. if they have an alcoholic or addicted parent if they have a parent who struggles with uh, physical health or mental health challenges that child takes on the mantle of taking care of their parents mm-hmm. and that can get messy really really quickly
0: mm-hmm. um, I like what you were talking about with boundaries um, I think in any kind of dysfunctional relationship one person lacks boundaries and the other lacks respect for their boundaries right. and codependency and um, not that Like, my brother wasn't choosing that path. Like, I know he loves us immensely. He was not choosing to lack all of our boundaries, make us terrified to come home or to go to sleep at night. Um, It's not that they choose it. They simply don't know any other way. Like, they don't have the tools. They are not equipped. Or they grew up in a family that was abusive or whatever. Um, So I think the hardest thing, though, is for the person that recognizes they're codependent is to start and I would recommend reading that book codependent no more or working with a, a counselor or therapist to start identifying where are some ways that I can set boundaries around myself mm-hmm. while loving this person and like for me it was I'm going to love my brother I don't have bitterness towards him but he can't be around our kids like he's right. not safe so I'm gonna love him at a distance yeah um we enlisted our number from the white pages because he thinks that we're part of the cia and wants to kill him you know so unfortunately i'm like oh it's just so sad and the kids are always like why don't we ever see uncle sean anymore right and i'm like well because he's just not healthy and we had to set that boundary but we love him and we will pray for him and the old older man i'm still working through this would have thought that's not that's not love yeah to set to not see your brother for years on end and to not let him know his nephews. But sometimes the most loving thing to do for someone is set those boundaries. Yeah. And enforce them. Yes. I saw
1: something on TikTok yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, keep the, it a little light. Here. Like, well, keep it a light, but but also, you know, you got to be careful with your sources, but this was a therapist on TikTok who um has a lot of content around codependency mm. and boundary setting and you know he this tiktok he was talking about how people say well boundaries don't work with that person mm. right because what they're recognizing in that is that this this other person lacks respect for their boundaries yeah. and he he wanted to make sure it was clear that when we set boundaries that's on us we're the only people that can set the boundary. And then regardless of the other person's behavior and whether or not they respect those boundaries, enforcing a boundary means that, you know, just for an example, you say, if, if you speak to me in a disrespectful way, if you start to belittle me, if you start to yell and raise your voice, if you get violent, I will And that's the boundary that's the enforcement of the boundary rather Mm -hmm. than just saying don't talk to me that way don't speak to me that way well they may still do it so enforcing a boundary means having a plan in place for how you will respond and behave should they cross those boundaries Mm -hmm. and that that was really I think it pointed something out to me that I had not seen before. And it's like, no, the boundary, you're responsible for your own boundaries and you're responsible for enforcing them. Nobody else can enforce your boundaries for you. Mm-hmm. And the person who takes advantage in the relationship is very unlikely to always respect those boundaries. Right. That mm-hmm. you That's the reason you're having to put the boundaries in place because they have a history of not respecting those boundaries, not recognizing them and then when they do recognize, when it's been pointed out to them, they're not going to respect it. And so we have to be prepared and courageous to, re- to enforce the boundary when it's crossed. So in that mm-hmm. example I gave, it's like I will leave that conversation,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I will leave the house, if I have to I will leave the room I will block your number I will disengage from this conversation if you speak to me in that way Mm -hmm. it's been pointed out to you that this is a boundary I have and I don't like it whether you respect it or not is up to you but here's what's gonna happen right Mm -hmm. Uh, if if you cross that line and Again, when we struggle with codependency and we have the tendency to be people pleasing and to try to like I described, try to hold the world in orbit, mm-hmm. um, we have a really hard time enforcing our boundaries. Yeah. But that's where the rubber meets the road, really. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, and it takes time and we have to be kind to ourselves, right? Because, you know, yeah, we're not gonna enforce our boundaries perfectly every time. And it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of emotional energy yeah. that we just don't feel like we have sometimes. Mm-hmm. Depending on, you know, how much exposure we have to this person that yeah. is constantly crossing our boundaries, and if it's our spouse or if it's one of our children, mm-hmm. it it is difficult to be like, oh, I, I can't leave the house. I I can't leave my. 12 year old (laughs) here or you know if it's your spouse it's like I got kids asleep I can't leave Mm -hmm. right especially if that person is abusive and unsafe and so that's why you know we need we do need help with this we need counselors or therapists we you know depending on the situation it's like we need to involve maybe law enforcement Mm -hmm. maybe a a domestic violence um, shelter or people who can help keep us safe In situations because um, I think all of uh, all of this stems from a sense that we're not safe Mm -hmm. I don't feel safe and Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna do what I think I need to do to be safe Mm -hmm. and to keep my kids safe and to keep my home safe Um, or to keep this other person safe or to keep this other person Mm -hmm. safe because they're a danger to themselves Mm -hmm. right in the case of your brother you know that's your that was your biggest fear growing up is that he would choose to end his life or Mm -hmm. he would accidentally end his life Mm -hmm. by overdosing
0: um i think i i was a leader for a bunch of high school girls um in a church back in iowa and this is one of the first times that i had experienced like whoa i need to set some boundaries what does that look like with one of the girls in my group like mm -hmm. she was Lovely but super needy. Right. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> and I think as Christians we can get confused about goodness of boundaries, right? Like we're like, oh, okay. The Bible tells us to care and help this girl who's calling me at all hours and like I need to meet with you now. It's like mm-hmm. one AM, right? Yeah. Or like, oh, I feel like I might do something really harmful to and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to help her, right? Right. right. <laughs> but um God doesn't expect us to be enslaved and i felt like that's how i have been a few times i've allowed myself to be enslaved to other people's felt needs like they feel like they need to talk to me right now to talk Mm -hmm. them off the ledge and i have to be available because i'm a good christian right or because i want to love them well well you know what i can say you know what melanie or whatever her name was, (laughs) you know i can talk to you but it's going to have to be in the morning you yeah. can't call me at all hours in the night. Like, we need to have boundaries. You're waking me up. You are, you know, right. it was always like, and I know this isn't everyone, but my, and I see now my mom did the same thing growing up. My mom would always, she always said, oh, I attract the, the wounded bird. Mm. (laughs) and and I'm not kidding there was like people coming out of the woodwork in the neighborhood I'm like who is this she's like I don't know but she found me and my mom would like help nurse these people back to health so I saw that modeled for me of like this is what you have to do is when someone's in crisis you have to be their person but really we can't be that person for everyone and there's some people we shouldn't be that for Um, I think our own false beliefs and fear-based feelings kind of create Confusion, right? So we might think like, oh, I have to fix this person because that will make me feel good about myself. I think sometimes we as Christians do that. Yeah. I think I have to. We think I have to rescue them um, because it's not okay to allow them to suffer. If this girl that I'm mentoring is suffering, that's not okay. No, it, again, that's between her and the Lord, and I can be here to love her and pray for her and support her. But I ha- there has to be healthy boundaries around that right. relationship. Otherwise, I feel enslaved. Like, oh. She's calling me again. Like yeah. and that sounds awful, but it got to the point where I was getting resentful because this girl's calling me like 30 times a day, right? right? Like so yeah, I don't know. It it's a it's a hard balance as a you don't want to feel guilty like I'm not being a good Christian because even Jesus didn't meet everybody's need at that time you know right. so he didn't heal everyone who needed no. healing all and not all the time like you and know? not all the time
1: and um and he took time to disconnect from the needs of others you know he would go into the wilderness he would walk in the garden he 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 did take time to disconnect and um and so I, I think uh, at least for me, and I can speak for myself here, this is not finger pointing, this is me saying, this is me. So much of my identity has been wrapped up in how I care for people and who I care for. And you know, the the me sharing about my friend asking me who what is your role in your family?" And me immediately being able to say, I, <laughs> I am the center of the universe. I am the sun with its gravity that holds this thing in orbit, right? And so when I, when I expressed it that way, I quickly could see what everybody else probably hears as I'm describing that is I've put myself, I've centered myself mm-hmm. in this universe. And if I don't do it, there's no one who can, right? And and so these are some of the lies we start believing, and it can be it can it, it, it is selfishness I think I don't know that that's necessarily what motivates it a lot of the time right but we get we start to develop these false beliefs that there is no one else who can hold this family together. if I don't hold it together no sh- you know sure as heck there's nobody else that's gonna hold it mm-hmm. together. I have to provide the gravity that keeps this together um, and we start to develop our whole identity around mm-hmm. it. And now that my marriage has ended and sort of the primary source of that um, chaos and dysfunction in our home no longer lives there. And we, you know, and this has taken time and it's going to continue to take more time. But I've had a lot of moments where I sit and I go, who, who am I actually? Right. Who am I now? And who am I without the identity of wife mm-hmm. and my kids are growing up and you know one of them is living on their own one of them still living with me but it, it, the the role of parent changes and should change as your kids get older and so it's like okay who am i if not someone's mom
0: right don't you and think so many parents are falling into if they're not in an unhealthy marriage relationship or friend relationship or family you know um, there is so much codependency with parent, mom specifically, and child. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, there is, and it and it's it's not even people can be in in relatively you know healthy relationships, yeah. and this still rears its ugly head. It's like, who yes. am I if, without without them this, needing me, without them needing me? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do with my time and yeah. my life? And I am in a place, you know, whether I w- were still married or not, I would still be in this place with my children because of the age and stage that we're at in their life and um you know you kind of you you go what what do i want to do yeah
0: who i am mean I, I? who am i <laughs> yeah.
1: and what do i even like mm-hmm. i don't know <laughs>
0: right. right
1: i don't know what i like i don't I, know what i'm interested don't in do you think
0: codependency is like you kind of lose yourself yeah in, in serving others and yes not, uh, and loving others to the point where you're like Hmm. I don't even know what makes me happy anymore. What do I like to do? I don't know. I've just catered to everyone else. Yes, (laughs) because your
1: happiness is so wrapped up in the happiness of the people around you. Mm -hmm. And that comes from a good place. I I want everybody to be fine. I just want everyone to be fine, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, I heard a saying once that, you know, a mother is only as happy as her least happy child, mm-hmm. right? And that's not so much a, a, an aspirational statement as mm-hmm. is sort of a st- recognizing a fact yeah. that that it's really hard to see where our emotions and happiness begin and someone else's, you know, ends and someone else's begins. Mm-hmm. It's like, am I actually having this emotion right now? Or is my child having this remote emotion right now? And so I'm also having it. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, There's this great quote. I I forgot to write who wrote it, but it says, um, one of the most dangerous things is for believers to enter into anything and simply presume that because you're a believer, you're being Christ-centered about what you're doing. mm. And so it's easy to be like, well, I'm being Christ-centered. I'm serving my kids. Yes, of course we're called to love and serve them. But what is our motivation what is it because it fills our our heart and love tank or is it in their best interest because sometimes it's in their best interest to say you're going to do this on your own i'm going to teach you because you're getting ready to leave the house right and you don't need mama all the time right? right and that is so hard because i think we have to sometimes check our own motivations and say like am i doing this because it is feels good for me Mm -hmm. Or am I, you know, doing this because it's in the best interest of my loved one?
1: Right. Yeah. And,
0: and, um, you know, we can do
1: this work while we're in healthy, whole, intact relationships, or (laughs) we can do it after those relationships break down and Mm -hmm. we're, and we have to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens more often than not. And it, and it's okay. You Mm. know, that's what happened to me is um, because when you're in it a lot so much of it is survival anyway mm-hmm. you're not you're not self-aware you're not in a place where you can step back and assess right. and that's okay mm-hmm. because life dishes out you know sorrow and trials and things that kind of force your hand right and so um, but if we do have moments of clarity while we're still in intact, healthy whole relationships that we can say, "Hey, I'm seeing this, I'm recognizing it." you know, if the Holy Spirit brings it to your mind like like they did for you, um, I, I think we have an opportunity at least mm-hmm. to um, to reassess and maybe take some steps towards breaking those codependent bonds mm-hmm. um, and um but I, I think at least for my own healing, some things that have helped me have just been um, physical space and distance. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think we, um, we the the environment, the physical space that we're in plays a huge role in our emotions and how we feel. So I've even done things like changing my physical space in ways that I choose. Mm -hmm. Like I want this color on the wall because I want it and I don't have to ask anybody else if Mm -hmm. I can do it. I just do it. I want this stack of books here because I like to see these books and this is something that would have bothered someone else and I don't have to worry about that anymore. Just like little, tiny little moments of of, uh, autonomy, right? Have helped me. As my life has changed so drastically in this last year. And then really taking time to assess what brings me joy. Yeah. And what, and, and what is it actually that I love. That I'm interested in. That could be the weirdest, quirkiest thing. That doesn't matter to anybody else. And that I would have never taken the time to do before. Because no one else is interested in this thing. So like a couple weekends ago I went up to the northern part of Arizona where we have mountains and trees and streams and you know beautiful things that are different than our beautiful desert down here and I went mushroom foraging for wild <laughs> mushrooms. <laughs> Love it. Weirdest thing ever. Right? Um,
0: it's even weirder that you ate them.
1: Well, I was scared of you were going to die. Uh, yeah. Some of them. After after much assessment and multiple experts con- confirmed yes. the, um, the identity of these <laughs> mushrooms and some of them I just thought they looked cool um, and did not eat them. But but yeah, something like that, that I just wouldn't have taken the time to do before. You know, my spouse wasn't interested in that and would be like, you want me to go for an entire weekend up north with you to do this thing? But then it's like, but I... Did those kind of things with him all the time I do those kind of things with my kids where it's like I'm not super interested in sneakers but we're gonna make a special trip to this sneaker shop mm-hmm. to check these out you know you took your your husband and your sons to the Nike headquarters yeah. and saw the Nike store and they were enamored with it and, and it was loved like the it. longest four hours it was like of the my life. <laughs> longest four hours of your life but we do that because other people who we love are interested yes. in it so there's a give and take but mm-hmm. I think my healing has been having to be like what do I want to do with my time? And like last weekend, I read a book the whole weekend.
0: That's so fun. It's just,
1: you know, what did you do this weekend? I read a whole book because I wanted to, (laughs) because I could, you know, what
0: have you found that's helped you? Um, Yeah, I would say that, well, uh, talking to therapists and just identifying um, that codependency isn't bad word it doesn't make mean that you're really needy or weak right um it's something that you've learned because somebody came at you with all these needs and no boundaries and you were doing the best you could in the moment right yeah um so i think just recognizing like hmm do i have some codependent tendencies in in dealing with people that are dysfunctional or needy or lack boundaries and if i do How can I get some tools to start setting healthy boundaries um, in those relationships? But also, like, realizing, like, my primary relationship needs to be to the Lord, right? If I'm trying to be everyone's savior and (laughs) fix everybody, Mm. that doesn't need, that doesn't leave room for Jesus to be their savior, right? right? So just kind of putting myself in my own rightful place of, like, they don't need me as much as I think they do. Yeah. Like,
1: God's got this and he doesn't need Mm -hmm. my help. Mm -hmm. And to the extent that he allows me to help him. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's just out of love for me, right? You know, I think we, we can minister to people. We can Mm -hmm. be the hands and feet of Jesus that do the practical things and, and, and the impractical things that show his love for others, but it can easily cross a line, And our motivations can shift to like, I need them to need me because if nobody needs me, who am I Mm -hmm. and what am I and what's my worth? Right. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it takes a lot of reflection, but I do think centering Jesus is how you change the thinking and you change the behavior mm. that I am not the sun at the center of my universe that holds everything in orbit. That's yeah. that's the
0: S-O-N, right? right? The son of God. And that's what a relief, because that's too and much work. And I don't uh, want that pressure. Yeah, and I'm not
1: good at it, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, clearly, <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> I'm not good at it. Um, and, uh, and it's exhausting, and it takes my focus off of... Being who God wants me to be, right? Because it, it it's, can be all-consuming. So yeah. And it just sucks the life out of you. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but it's something that just so, so many people struggle with. And um, what are some steps you can take to setting boundaries with others? I mean, is there anything that, is there any thought mm-hmm. process
0: you've used or... Um, Kind of to piggyback off what you said, I had a therapist once that said the same thing with boundaries. And I know people that don't want boundaries usually push back against them and say like, oh, you're trying to manipulate me or control me. And she gave this illustration. We sat in chairs knee to knee. And she said, you know, if if I say I don't, my boundary is that like, you don't get any closer to me. Mm -hmm. But then if you scooch closer to me, I'm going to back up. Like, I can't control what you do. You right. could scoot your chair. You could sit on my lap. Well, I'm going to move. Right. And that was just a good visual of like, okay, so if somebody is overstepping a line or exasperating me or if I feel enslaved to their constant felt needs and I can't meet them, then I have to move. I can't expect them right to make those changes because they're not right. in a healthy spot. But just having good friends and family. I mean, well, honestly, it was one of my best friends that called out to me and said well you know you probably have a lot of trauma from your childhood and I was like what no I don't and she was like Michelle are you serious like look at your family I'm like my family was wonderful like I my parents are like I was kind of in denial about Mm -hmm. she's like yeah you that's why you are the way you are now because you want to you know xyz because and I was like oh you're the worst yeah but really that started in me um that self-exploration of like oh yeah, I guess it. that isn't normal. She said that what you experienced, um, your house was not, that was not normal. And I hope you recognize that. I'm like, really? I mm-hmm. That it actually didn't seem that abnormal when I was in it. Right. So I think having friends that you can trust and a, and a community that people, you let people in and are vulnerable so that they can encourage you and vice versa. So you can s- say to someone like, this is like an unhealthy pattern that you're in with your spouse or right. with your in-laws. Yeah. Or with your adult child. Like maybe you want to think, talk to someone about setting
1: boundaries. And I think even maybe taking some time to identify some some key boundaries you want to set. If that's maybe how you're spoken to by that other person. Mm -hmm. You know, go back to that same example I gave. Okay, here's what I expect. Here's my expectations. Make sure you've clearly communicated those to the other person. And then at least internally you need to determine here's what I'm going to do when Mm
0: -hmm.
1: those boundaries are violated. I'm going to get up and leave the room or I'm going to leave the house if I can. I'm gonna end the conversation. I'm going to stop responding to the text messages. I might block their number. Here's some actual things that I have ownership of that I can do if Mm -hmm. um, and more likely when those boundaries are not respected. Um, also, Celebrate Recovery is a
0: great resource. Yes. They have a whole group with for codependent. It's called Codependency or something like that, Codependent No More. Um, and then PALS is a great group. It's the acronym Parents of Addicted Loved Ones. Yeah. It's not necessarily just parents. My parents and I went. Um, so if you have someone struggling with um, substance abuse issues, PALS is a great, again, just having a support system so that you can even recognize codependent behavior in your right. life. I, I've attended Celebrate
1: Recovery um, meetings and in particular resonated with the codependency group they all they have a book study that you can do specifically on codependency and i was surprised to find that the vast majority of the people in the group weren't necessarily dealing with an addiction to a substance whether that be alcohol or or you know uh drugs or porn or you know something shopping something like that it it much more was an addiction to codependency Mm It was a struggle with codependency, but the the patterns are so similar that the same kind of kind of steps and help that might help an addict or an alcoholic mm-hmm. helps people who struggle with codependency because it requires a lot of taking a lot of ownership for our own choices and how we're going to respond when you know when we're faced with the temptation uh, to kind of live into our addiction of trying to fix people or trying to hold the universe together or trying Mm -hmm. to, you know, um, so yeah, that was really helpful. I did the book study and Mm -hmm. that's helped me a lot. Um, well in closing, is there any, anything you want to share about, um, where you're
0: at in your journey now? And, um, I, I mean, I just really feel that the Lord has healed some deep wounds and, Mm -hmm. um, hurts from my past and has at least revealed it to me so that I can be careful and wise in in my current and future relationships um but just encourage people to like just give have a lot of patience for yourself um because it's really hard to to identify and flip a switch when you're used to acting in a certain way and um it's going to be, it's a slow, slow transformation, yeah. but at least um, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that, oh, you are codependent and have a lot of depend, uh, you know, tendencies to continue to do that unless you lean on me and let me be the Lord of your life. And mm. continually, it's not at one time, just giving him up to the Lord. I still, yeah. still grieve. I'm like, Thanksgiving, I wish my brother could come. I wish we knew where he was. And every time yeah. I pull up and I see a homeless guy on the street corner, I'm like, please don't be Sean because I don't know how I'll respond. But um, God is good, and he can um, give ourselves patience because he loves us and he loves those people. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks for joining us today, and um, we'd love to hear from you. How did hearing these stories affect you? Do you think you maybe struggle with codependency? yourself or has this touched your life in some way we'd love to pray for you as always so reach out to us at family at com. thank you
0: thank you for listening to the grace space family podcast this is part of family matters ministry for more information check us out at GrayspaceFamilies.com and follow us on instagram and facebook until next time